Happy Hour Minisode. Guys, let me tell you something. We've had Happy Hour Minisodes before. We're pretty fucking wasted. And it's great. Uh, the thing is that we've been talking... I mean, I was not expecting our Whitney Houston episode for eight albums to be broken not, out into two parts. Not even slightly. Two hour-long parts. But then again, we have Nicholas Shoda coming back on his third triumphant appearance. That's how much time we take on 14 albums. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Literally twice. Not literally twice the amount, but damn close. I know, but also we were talking about the bad albums, like, so much in terms of, like, not just, like, that they were bad, but why they were bad. Right. And, like, it just be- it just rolled over into a thing. I mean, so. we talked about those first two albums for over half an hour. Right. That's crazy. I mean, look, I just gotta <laughs> say, sometimes... It's not right, but it's okay. We we have to, to give the legends their time. We gotta give the legends their due. Yep. And mm-hmm. I think that... Whenever you have me around, you're gonna get some long-winded ass bullshit, and I and that is <laughs> well. Again, again, we recorded we recorded for two hours, but I'm gonna edit all both of these down to a concise forty-five minutes. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fine. Ew. So ew, Whoa. disgusting. Whoa. So before the record, the drunken people you're talking to right now is me, Evan Soddy. It's Katerin O'Reilly, Hi. and it's our delightful and wonderful guest that we're having to have back for a third time, Nicholas Shoda. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Alright, well, I don't know how long this episode's gonna be, but we are into it. <laughs> so guys, let's just let's just throw some structure onto this thing before it gets too crazy. Uh Happy Hour Mini So the thing we start with the hat start of every Happy Hour Mini So guys heads, heads. What's the worst Whitney Houston song? Of oh. which there are options. Oh yes. My choice is oh yes from My Love Is Your Love. Uh, it's what my gut instinct, honestly, is her cover of a song for you, just because it's a gorgeous and incredible song that she. There's no amount of degree of which they fucked it up. Like it's every degree of they fucked it up. Like, How about it's so bad. Every song Akon's ever recorded. <laughs> That's a really cool. I mean, again, let's not forget. Oh, Soul Salute, the last song off of I Like to You. I'm a soldier girl. Like, oh, come the fuck on. Like, yeah. there's just a lot on that one. Yeah. Which is a shame because it shares the same space with the million dollar bill, which I would I want to fucking jam out to so bad, so yeah. good. Um, I, I mean, this is tough. I, uh, I go to I'm, the rock. I'm gonna go with you. Light up my life. Um, choice. Her, her choice. Cover of you light up my life is from just Whitney. Um, it's rough, and also first of all, the original is sappy enough, and. It, you know, I think that Whitney Houston may be the, the greatest cover artist of, of all time. time. Yeah. I mean, she's done so many incredible covers. And so for her to fuck up a cover to that degree. Well, I don't think it's so much that she fucked it up as much as that I didn't I didn't feel like that was a Whitney Houston song in the way that, and, and it's an unfair comparison, but mm-hmm. I Will Always Love You is, I mean, of course, no disrespect to Dolly Parton and her original, which I think is excellent in its own right, but I Will Always Love You is, is like, signature Whitney. I mean, she altered 
the structure of that chorus. You know, she like changed the length of notes and yeah. she like completely transformed that song. Yeah. Whereas and that had one, yeah, and I feel bad too because like that was one of the most successful singles of all time. Yep. That initially had the record for the longest weeks at number one at mm-hmm. fourteen. Like, that thing was just, it won the Grammy for Album of the Year, and that song won for Record of the Year. Like, that thing was just such an unstoppable force. And I feel bad, too, because when we were watching that Showtime documentary, which, again, we keep referencing, it talks about how, like, she was famous as fuck. Mm-hmm. And then the bodyguard happened. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. before... And then she became, like, too famous. Yeah, like, legitimately hit this level of just excessive fame. And the thing is that, like, it's one of the things that, again, it's the Happy Hour Minnesota, and I know we had a really drunken-ish uh, intro, but guys, holy shit, man. Like, her life is one of the saddest things to, like, happen. And that's the thing, like, again, like, when we were doing research week beforehand, before the documentary and after the documentary, were different things. Seeing her watch her perform live were different things. But, like, seeing that emotional context of, like, someone who is so genuinely talented, thrust into fame at a young age. And there's a lot of people that have been thrust into a fame at a young, young age. I get it. You don't necessarily have a childhood. Things are fucked up for you from that point onward. But it's just, like, as they talked about... Her meeting with Bobby Brown, and and as uh, other people pointed out to me, and I agree with them, Bobby Brown is not the sole reason for her life being what it is, mm-hmm. but goodness, it was he a factor. certainly had a hand in we, it. We, that was the thing that was blowing our minds during the documentary we were watching, is that for the longest time, Whitney was fighting off rumors that she was gay. Like, we were just like, is this, like, oh. manufactured? Well, yeah, or like, what was, was to be was... To be fair, her best friend was gay. Yeah. yeah. She was hanging out with a lesbian mm-hmm. all like the time 24 hours a day uh-huh. so yeah. it's not and that robin, well well that's yeah. terrible it's not like too much of a stretch exactly yeah. and robin was a supportive and kind you know presence in her life as far as we know you know like she was their friend from a young age just always supported whitney in pretty much everything that she did like you know she was a good whitney handler which not everyone was and in early, you know, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s interviews with her, she gets asked a lot about those rumors, and she denies them every time. And, you know, every time the interviewers were typ- will typically ask her, are you a gay? Are you gay? Or how do you respond to those, those rumors? Are you a lesbian? Whatever. And she denies them. And I, I don't think that that Whitney Houston was a lesbian. I think that she might have been bisexual. I think that she might not have totally defined her sexuality. I think it's totally plausible that they had a romantic relationship, and I think it's really sad that she was not able to live that, if if that was the case, um, which, by all... Uh, accounts it, it was well there was um, that there was that Oprah interview with Sissy Houston her mother you know the right. gospel singer where it's just like so if she, you know and Oprah asked her like so it would these gay rumors that came out like if she was gay that would have been upsetting too she says absolutely yeah. and then Oprah asks as a follow up question well were you then happy when Bobby Brown came along and she says no right. <laughs> you know just like well yeah. to be fair we then saw exactly why Sissy Houston was not happy that Bobby Brown was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as there was conflict between Whitney and Sissy, towards, I mean, in the 2000s, by all accounts, Sissy was the only person trying to save her. Yeah. Everyone else in her life was just a yes man, or in Bobby's case, like, encouraging her, pushing her to that next hit. And well, my favorite quote about all of that was the fact that beforehand, Whitney was on drugs, Bobby had an alcohol addiction, and when they got together, they both did both. 
And they yeah. both they both didn't just do both, they both did them even harder. Yeah. I think that if the two of them hadn't ended up together, it's not to say that she wouldn't have ended up with the problems that she did. She she talks about this in um the Oprah interview that she did in 2009. She said that before the bodyguard, um, the drugs that she did were very light. Mm-hmm. They were sort of recreational um, by all accounts. And yes, she did do them before she met Bobby. Um, her brother went on record saying that he was the first person to ever give her drugs. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that they genuinely loved each other. Um, that's the thing too yeah because when you see clips from being bobby brown which is a fucked up experiment by itself but like there are moments oh yes taryn has a lot to say about that oh my gosh so i told one of my coworkers that i was doing this episode today and they sent me this clip of from being bobby brown where bobby brown is constipated on the toilet and he can't get the shit out and so whitney sticks his finger up there and helps him Oh my god! Gee, they, they, this was what reality TV was in 2004? So, Holy shit. I have not... I mean, I've I've watched, I think, most of, of Being Whitney's uh, public whatever. I, yeah. like, you're, again, you're <laughs> the lifelong fan here. Well, yeah. I, was, I was telling uh, a friend yesterday, I, I was like, so... This is going to sound like it's not something that I regularly do, but I've been listening to a lot of Whitney Houston this week. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, like, that's just... That's, that's every just week. Yeah. Um, I can't... I, I've seen bits and pieces of being Bobby Brown. I, I can't... I can't watch it. It's, yeah. it's so sad. I mean, it was the early-ish days of uh, that type of reality television. It predates Kardashians. It predates the idea that we should try and construct these things into a... a Narrative, narrative. Sort, yeah. and so you are seeing two people who are in the throes of drug addiction and we're throwing that out on on television um and that was something that was totally cool with us in 2006 or yeah. 2005 whenever it was yeah um, that, i mean that just uh, wouldn't fly today I mean, like at the time whitney was like i'm not doing another season of this it's yeah. terrible but even <laughs> even Today, like, full-blown drug addiction, Mm -hmm. if the point of the show is not to help that person, you would get such a huge backlash. Like, you, it's no longer acceptable to glorify that. Mm -hmm. I would almost, I would push back on that in, in the sense that I think that, I think they would find a way to spin it into a cute narrative. Right. Um, Sure. Or, or they would they would spin it in a a more dramatic way. I think part of the reason why it didn't end up going for a second season is that by the time it was around that that period where it would have been up for a second season, I think that was roughly when Whitney filed for divorce. Um, The timeline of things is is really confusing. And it's also confusing in the documentary. they jump around so much from that documentary because they also yeah. just have so much fo- footage from 1999. Oh my god! They like so. they show footage from 1999 f- for every point they're making. But right. which but is a little confusing chronologically. There's that moment backstage when Bobby Brown grabs Robin and is just trying to say like, you know, this girl right here, you know, oh, yeah, right, yeah. And, and she's just, over it. She's yeah. literally trying to escape. Yeah, yeah, the entire time. And she, he's like holding her in place. Him. And yeah. they apparently would they got in to like 
physical right yeah. like Alter Whitney game. had yeah. to get between them so they'd stop punching each other yeah yeah, yeah. And I, I'm just so fascinated by the dynamics of that relationship. because That trio? Yes. Yeah. Because if I were Robin Crawford and the love of my life were marrying someone and they were falling in love, I don't know how I would be able to deal with that. Like, right. And, and how I would be able to stay on. And so, which is why that makes that relationship very confusing. Mm-hmm. Because... I mean, yeah, the fact yeah. that she stuck around for nine years yeah. after they got married yeah. is... Kind of insane. Yeah. I mean, like, I get it, yeah. but, like, what she was subjecting herself to is just crazy. Okay. So what we're going to do from now on is that we're talking about a sad thing. I'm going to get us out of the sad thing gradually through three <laughs> steps. We're gonna we're still going to keep it sad a little bit. It's going to get less sad, and then it's going to get joyous. Okay? So trust mm-hmm. me on this one here. But we're hearing it. We're hearing it right now. And I'm sorry to do this to you, Nick. I do have to ask, though. What's that? Where what were you, where were you? What was happening when you found out that Whitney passed away? Oh, um, I was coming home from a yoga class. Uh-huh. I was at, I believe, Bryn Mawr stop. On we the have an international line. audience. I have no idea if that um, means anything to them. I, I was I was riding the train home. Uh-huh. Uh And my boyfriend at the time texted me. Oh shit! I wish I could remember what he said exactly. I think he he asked me. Where are you? And I I texted him back. I was like, I'm on the train, train home. Yeah. And something about that. And he was like, oh, okay. Or something along those lines. And there was something about that that was a little strange. It was a little out of character. Because you could read the context of the text. Yeah. It's just like, that's odd. Yeah. And I was like, is something going on? And so I just I logged on to Facebook to see if like there was something public happening. And the first thing that I saw was R.I.P. Whitney. R.P. Whitney. And I remember... I, I remember my, my heart sinking, my, like, stomach dropping. I had... There were a lot of different things going on. Because on the one hand, nothing about it was unexpected, right? Yeah, yeah. that's the roughest um, part of That's, yeah. you know, because, uh, you know, she was accidentally... She was reported dead on 9-11. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on, by accident. You know, uh, but I also... And what was sort of sweet was that like people started texting me and calling me which was like it's like oh, it's, it's I mean nice. it's like, like this it, is not about me at all but it's it like so really nice it's like, it was like for me yeah. when, when Prince died and like yeah. eight people reached out like are you okay yeah. are you okay have you heard I'm like yes I mean it's sad I'm dealing with it but thank you for reaching out yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's that sort of thing where you know your love of it is out there enough where people respond to it right and, and, and people yeah. from like that I hadn't spoken to in years, like, texted me or, or called or yeah. whatever. And that was really sweet. And I, I just remember the next day, I, I went for a walk and I, I played... I, I just cycled through her albums and I, I remember very vividly walking past a graveyard and All at Once came on. And I, I never really had a good cry about it at any point, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I I shared, I shed like a, a tear during the funeral, and I did watch all three and a half hours of that, which was like devastating and just. Uh, but I, I just remember th- vividly walking down the street and just being like, 
I, I don't even know how to feel about this. But at the same time, also thinking, like, I mean, this it's a, it's a famous person. And, like, also, this person meant so much more to so many other people and had so much more significance. Yeah, but don't discount your own feelings. Um, yeah. But it, and, like, it's, I, I remember thinking, like, this is dumb. I shouldn't be sad. It's a celebrity. Like, whatever. Like, you know. But at the same time, it, it, it is. She the, defines so much of your life. A it sad is, story is a sad story, though. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you personally know that person or yeah. not. It yeah. can still be devastating. I was sad when Prince fucking died. You I know? mean, like. I saw my, but I never, like, met him, you know? Yeah. I'm, like, starting to cry a little right now. Because <laughs> you know? then we were talking about this, and then I started thinking about Bobby Christina, and, like. Ugh. That might be the saddest part. Of all. And then the fact that fucking Bobby Brown married, like, what, four oh my God. or five months after? Four months after Whitney died, Bobby Brown got remarried. Yeah. I want him to burn in hell. Yeah. I, like... Okay, yeah. so that was that was the sad part. That was the yeah. sad part. We're now we're going to get to a less sad part before you get to the happy part. Because <laughs> it doesn't happen at many so. We're keeping it light, motherfuckers. So the less sad <laughs> part... <laughs> the less sad part... Shoda has yeah. a very unique perspective. Taryn hasn't heard this. I have. Oh. <laughs> Nick saw her live. Nick saw her live. Not in the greatest of circumstances, but he saw her live. Okay. Walk us through, baby. So, <laughs> uh, as part of the I Look To You album release cycle. 2009. 2009. This was August of 2009. She appeared on the Oprah show. Mm-hmm. This was in the 24th season, and they had a, uh, this is a big deal. 24th season premiere. Uh, it was going to be a sit down with Whitney Houston, as Oprah would do. I put it out into the universe. I think I even posted on Facebook. It's like, Whitney Houston's going to be on the Oprah show. How can I get there? <laughs> and a, a few weeks before, they posted something on Oprah's website. It's like, calling all Whitney Houston super fans. And, um, and, and you had to submit a little, like, blurb about why you should be in the audience yeah. for the, the Whitney Houston thing. And so, and I, I so wish that I had saved this in some form or fashion, <laughs> because I had, I was, like, probably a half bottle of wine in, and I, I'm sure, like, whatever I wrote, I'm sure was deeply impassioned, so I got a call from them, and they're like, hey, do you want to be in, in the audience for this? And I was like, well... Uh, yes, absolutely. However, the week prior to that, I had just been in the audience for the Oprah show as a guest of a friend of mine who randomly got picked to be a part of it. So I was like, so like, this is weird. Uh, I I was just there last week. I know that you only, and you only get to be a a part of the audience once per season. Oh. Um, Yeah, that was was the big rule. But I was like, I wasn't the person who was picked. I was just the guest. So, is it okay? I know that there's that rule. I just wanted to double check. Um, which is dumb in retrospect. I yeah. should have been like, yeah, fuck yes, I will be there. Because, of course, they probably wouldn't. They don't care. They don't know. Um, yeah. But I, so I asked this, the woman who called me. I was like, I was just there last week. Like, is it okay? Um, and she was like, she put me on hold for a minute. And she came back. And she was like, we will allow you to be in the audience. But if you tell anyone, I will have you personally escorted from the building. <laughs> So I was like, okay, I, I swear to God, I will not tell anyone. Okay. So. That's so funny. Um, and in and in the phone call, she was like, you know, we, uh, Whitney 
filmed the interview with Oprah, and we're just bringing in a, a group of, of Whitney Super fans to come and, and watch it in the studio. And um, she's not going to be there. We're just, you know, we we want um, fans. We, yeah. You know, Oprah has to film a part of the introductions to to do it, and um, we want people to be there to to hype up the thing. So I was like, great. Uh, and I went there with my friend Alan, who uh, is a, another Whitney fan. Super fan. And what are, what's the Whitney fan army called? Uh, Whitney fans. Uh, that people was, who love good goddamn music. That was, thank you. That was pre fan army. Uh, yeah, this days. like I hate the fan army yeah, trend. Yeah, you're just is, a fucking fan of the army. Or yeah. The, you're a fucking fan of the army. No. A fucking fan of the artist. The bodyguards. They call themselves the bodyguards. The fucking Rihanna Navy. Or the the Whitney guards would probably. Whitney guards? Shut the fuck up, Nick. You're the one who asked, okay? Okay, so. Shut the fuck up, Evan. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So, we get there, and Oprah comes in, and it's amazing, and just the feel the Oprah presence. And she, there's... A screen and they show this interview and if you have not seen this interview it's fascinating Whitney is so together um, she talks very honestly about her drug abuse there's some criticism of the interview at the time that sh- that everything that she was saying was very repackaged seemed very scripted um, I do think that Oprah kind of like guided her to where she wanted the narrative to be which was interesting to watch, especially because I, I just rewatched that again today. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's really interesting. Like, she admits in this interview, yeah, I, I, cocaine was my thing. We would lace, we would lace joints with coke and we would sit there and be high all day and that's what we would do. Um, which I thought was, uh, I, I was shocked at the time that she would be so honest, especially in light of the, the Diane Sawyer interview where she was the like crack she admitted to doing yeah. d- drugs but she was still pretty defensive about it so mm-hmm. you saw someone who was very I don't know I, I thought that she was honest in a way that I didn't expect her to be mm-hmm. so they, they show us bits and pieces of this yeah. and Oprah comes back and she does ladies and gentlemen we're back Houston so of course all of us dum-dums who were like sitting there just watching this interview all excited just to be at Harpa Studios under the impression that Whitney's not going to be there when of course she's going to be there there's a giant fucking screen like pretend like (laughs) hiding on the stage but we all lose our shit Whitney comes out and (sighs) oh my god you guys (laughs) I remember what I was wearing I remember where I was sitting I, I remember I, I was wearing a light blue button-up shirt that, and I didn't have an undershirt under, and I, I immediately started sweating through it. And I, my, my, I, like, I, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack because it was just too much. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. There's I no surprise there's, in Houston. There's no, there's no way that this is real. And, and she comes out and she sings, I don't know my own strength, and then she, uh, they, she says that she wants to do it again, so they... They have us do like the big reveal again, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's that's TV. Yeah, TV. That's... Yeah, it was so great. I got to see her sing the same song twice, and I I would be happy to hear her sing any song twice. And so after that, they say, okay, so Whitney's gonna do uh, one more song. It's just gonna be for for this studio audience, right? So she comes out and she starts singing "I Love the Lord," and 
she just I, I was nervous because I think at this point she she'd done her Good Morning America performance. Mm, maybe this was after, whatever. I, I she she'd done a performance I think recently where her voice was not super great. Um, and that was hard. But she sounded great, and she's she's going out there. She's singing "I Love the Lord" and it's beautiful, and people are crying. And she comes toward the edge of the stage and she. Falls right off of it. Oh, oh my god. god! Oh my god! No! No! <laughs> to be fair, oh my god. <laughs> I, I I just want to be clear. So we're, what we're talking about is like it's it's not like a full face plant. It's right. more like a step off of the stage, right? <laughs> right? But so immediately, like you know, like people have to help her back up on stage. But what was amazing was that she. Uh, she kept going with the song. They didn't stop the song. She kept going. She's like, I'm so embarrassed. I fell off stage at the Oprah Winfrey show, but I got back up and I love the Lord. You know, this whole thing. And it was incredible. I'm so glad you get to share this. So, so she gets through all this. She does, and it's just, it, it was true. But also, I turned to my friend, uh, Alan, who's sitting behind me, because you don't always get to yeah, see so Right, 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 yeah. yeah. And I, 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 my mouth was open, and I was just like, in my brain, I was like, oh no, oh god, I hope she's not high. She, she's not high. No, she's not high. She's fine. She's fine. It's fine. She's get. She's getting back. She's singing. She sounds amazing. It's fine. It's fine. And then Oprah comes back after all of this. So no, everyone. So they finish the interview. Everything's done. Oprah comes back on the stage. Backtracking. Sorry, really quick. I'm sorry. I know that this is longer than what you wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, okay, so Whitney finishes, and Oprah comes back on stage, and she says, you know, I've been saying for years that we need to fix the stage. Maybe now we'll fix the fucking stage. And we were like, ah! Ah! Yes! Ugh. Oprah just said fuck. Yes, she said fuck. <laughs> and then after the interview's over, everyone's leaving, and Oprah comes back, and she's, she's teary, and she's like, I just... I just really hope that all of you will respect the integrity of what happened in this room today because if word were to get out about this, um, it would be it could be potentially very bad for Whitney. And everyone was like, Oh, it's fine, yeah. Because she was afraid that people yeah. were gonna I don't know, people this still, bill, yeah, yeah. This she was high yeah. on the Oprah show. Yeah, yeah. or yeah. like yeah. people had cell phones or whatever, even though at that point you yeah, could, no one you, could bring it in. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that is my my okay. Houston on Oprah. So that's anyway. great. That's good. And now we move on to the happy stuff, <laughs> the good stuff. I want to talk about. Can I have this kiss forever? I'm kidding. Uh, no, I wanted to talk about same Whitney. script, different cast. I wanted to talk, wanted to talk about, about shoot shoot. I want to talk about the national anthem. Okay. <sighs> great. Yeah. We we will have to talk about waiting to exhale for a minute at some point. Yeah, I mean it's right now because we're I mean, at twenty nine minutes. Okay. So. National anthem, the national anthem, like, I mean, so we we watched it right before we started recording, and it's I got like full body chills. Like yeah. they started on my arms and then they slowly spread up my spine, and then it was just literally because there's no better anthem. Every inch of my skin was standing on end. There's no better by anthem. The time we were done. Fergie, like, Catalina, doesn't matter. Yeah. No one can do it better. Um, if I were king of the universe, I would make it illegal for anyone to sing the national anthem on television, and we would just, like... Play, play that. We would just play that. 
Why? Why should we? Also, why do isn't that the official version? Yeah. yeah. Can we adopt that as a yeah. country? That's the official version of our nas- national anthem. Yeah. Whitney Houston's ghost for president. Right. I don't need Deaf Fergie Jam or whatever ever the fuck again. Like, <laughs> like, or R. Kelly Samba version. Yeah. Oh my God, the R. Kelly Samba! I yeah. forgot all about that. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's that it's the best. Yeah. Uh. No one comes close. Mm-hmm. I, I, in my estimation, I don't know. Shoot. Shoot, 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 shoot. Okay, shoo. that song's anyway. super overrated, right? That's not just me. I, I love it, but I, I understand the argument for it being overrated. I mean, I think, you know, I think really what it is is that I just don't like Babyface. Ooh, that's tough. Oh, oh if I told you tough. that, featuring George Michael. Oh, that's tough. Um, okay, so I will say this about Waiting to Exhale. I actually thought about this a long time, about like maybe making an argument for including the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack Ooh, in the ranking. No. And here's why. Let me finish. It um, would have been ninth, I can tell you that. Right? <laughs> oh, and, so and I listened to it. And you're... It's just, just say what you so, need to say. So, with, I think Waiting to Exhale, uh, the soundtrack is like... <laughs> We have gorgeous Whitney vocals. Black pop town. We have we have gorgeous Whitney vocals. We have the old and the new. We have a stunning Aretha song. We have a, mm-hmm. a an amazing Tony Braxton song. We have incredible like one of the one of Mary J Blige's greatest songs of all time. It is it, it suits that movie so well. Uh, I I think it is truly an excellent excellent album from beginning to end and i think that as far as soundtracks go like if you want to if, if if we're looking at like for example the bodyguard we can talk about six songs being great and the rest of it being inconsequential but What's if, the funny love, but if we're talking about a soundtrack that a lovely day that actually Thank tells story if <laughs> <laughs> Let yeah. Nick Schroeder finish. <clears throat> God, he's only been talking for like 10 minutes. Uh, whoa. Out of, out, out of, of 90 hundred. Whoa. <laughs> you realize the microphone was blended in one place. Nick um, Schroeder just did a full spin. Oh, I've been spinning constantly in this. Anyway, um, uh, I'll just say uh, Waiting to Exhale is an excellent album. No, I, I understand. You can look. Nothing is for everyone, and that is okay. I think it's excellent. I think it, it suits the movie beautifully. Yes. All right. We've been talking about Whitney for two and a half hours. Nick Shota. What's that? Last thing you want to say about Wits. Oh, could that's be a factoid, so hard. Could be a story. Oh could my god. Could be a song that we don't Fact know about. Story. Um, uh, I think that I just, I want to uh, come back to the idea that her musicianship is underrated. That has always and forever been... My Define musicianship in this case. Well, so we think about as a the, these singer? big vocalists yeah. as just that, as vocalists. We don't think about them in the context of their musicianship. But when you hear people talk about working with her and her ability to interpret music and her ability to take songs and make them their own, that is musicianship that we, we tend to discount. Mm. And I think that so much of the criticism that she received in her career was all about the fact that, like, yeah, other people wrote and produced her songs. Sure, great. Um, but 
that greatly undervalues what she brought to the table, which was so much. And somebody asked her at one point, you know, when are you going to produce? And she said, well, when I step in, into the booth, I produce my vocals. Nobody tells me how, how or what to sing. That's me. And I think that that's a lesson in how we should view singers. They are, it's not just, I'm going to park and bark my pants off. It's about intention and feeling and really finding your way into a song. And what's so, the reason that I love her so much and why she's been so enduring in my life is that you can find so many different interpretations from her of the same song. She never sings it the same way twice. Mm-hmm. She finds different things here and there. She she switches it up. And I think that that is why she deserves to be considered a, a brilliant musician. Um, and and that's that would be what my last thing to say. And the thing yeah. is that your love of Whitney is my love. <sighs> and my love is your love. And this should be everybody's love, goddammit. Two last things I will say before we close the book on our beloved Witwit. Uh, one... Of course, her Grammy performance from, I believe, the 1988 Grammys when she does her dance routine, a little dance routine Mm -hmm. to fucking uh, I Want to Dance with Somebody. It's cute. It's really cute. It's kind of great. She's just super cute all the time, though. Whitney dancing is the most charming. It's so charming. It's just like, you know, it's just great. It's like, oh, you're trying. Good job, sweetie. Yeah. But she also, she she learned that that was not her thing, and she... She didn't do it anymore. Yeah, like those early clips where she's dancing in Fringe. Uh, and last but not least, uh, for the fans out there, because you recommend the bootlegs, number one Whitney bootleg, go. Oh, that's so hard. Give us three. I mean, um, okay. Uh, so, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry to have to do this. I, I have to look it up on my phone really I'll quickly. It. It's fine. Um, all of these are, are on YouTube. <sighs> Shit. There's one, a full-length one on YouTube that's in California in 1987. I don't know where specifically. That's really great. There's one in 86 from Jones Beach, New York. There's one in London from 86. There's, oh, um, uh, Philadelphia, June 26, 1994 is really great. Uh, Also, San Jose, 86 is really great. And I can, there are individual performances that have been captured here and there that I could go on about forever and ever. Anyway. Well, Whitney, I want you to know that Shoda and me and Taryn, but especially Shoda, are thinking about you. Uh, and we appreciate mm. everything that you've done. We, you make us say, oh, yes, we learn from the best. <laughs> it's just, uh, I believe in you and me. I'm just going to stop. But oh, in the meantime, Jesus. though, uh, I want to say, Shoda, there could have been no other guest that could have done this. Oh, and I really do mean that. So uh, Thank you for having me. I am, I'm so grateful that I, I got to do this. This was super fun. Yeah. This is, like, longer than both of your other podcasts you've done. Is it really? No, I don't Oh, shit. This, oh, God. It's been a while. But I'm still... so... Can I just thank you also for, like, letting me trick you into talking about my favorite singers of all time? Trick like, you? We were three different times. Yeah. This is the just the delight of my life. Yeah. We were excited to have someone who knew so much about these people yeah. guide us <laughs> through our, you know, crazy... Opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, guys, if you love Nick Shota as much as we do, please leave a ranking on the iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes and you know SoundCloud and all the other things. The Hashtag All Stars Three Places. <laughs> do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> oh God, we're gonna stop this right now. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good one. Good. Bye. Bye.
our delightful and wonderful guest that we're happy to have back for a third time, Nicholas Shoda. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Alright, well, I don't know how long this episode's going to be, but we are into 